This is Roy Sam, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 191 of Chasing Dreams. Before I get too far, guys, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode of Chasing Dreams is sponsored by our 2019 Fundathon supporters. Fundathon is our fundraising efforts to keep this show on the air till March 2020. To do that, we need to raise $13,000 and we're on our way, but we still need your help. If you'd like to donate, please visit amyj21.com slash donate. And Dream Chasers, two things I want to remind you of, whether it's for us or another charity or cause you want to support. One, it's not the size of the donation that matters. So if you can't donate a lot, think nothing of it. Know that I appreciate the $12 donations just as much as the other donations, because I know that's your lunch money. That's your money to go see a movie or go out. So regardless of how much money you can give, your donation is important, and I thank you for your generosity. And two, please don't wait for someone else to help out. You can't control the actions of others, only your own. We can't reach the goal without your help. Again, if you'd like to support us, please visit amyj21.com slash donate. And to all those who have donated so far, thank you. Guys, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are talking all things mental health. And the reason is it's important for you as a person and individual, and especially as someone who is trying to chase their dreams. And so to do so, I asked someone special, someone close to me, if they would share their story. And I was honored and touched that they said yes. And it's my little brother from another mother, Royce M. Royce is a second year seminarian at St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Seminary in Yonkers, New York. He received his undergraduate degree in information systems at the University of Maryland University College. Originally from the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, he has always been involved in church youth activities and in his free time likes to run and play sports and loves anything related to technology. Royce has always valued a lot of things, but one thing in particular is stepping out of your comfort zone. And he strongly believes in stepping into your fear and conquering it. And he has been awesome about being open and honest and sharing his story. And it's one I think you need to hear. And one, I hope you guys will get something from it because, you know, I, I did and I knew I knew most of his story. Not everything. I learned some things myself. I hope anyone listening to this uh, gets something from it. OK, so here it is. Hey, Royce, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, it's May Mental Health Month. And I thought, you know, let's try and see what we can do to help people. And you have a story that I think can help some people. What do you think? I like it. I like it. Let's do it. All right. So, Royce, when you were young, you had surgery, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Can you talk a little bit about what that surgery was? Yeah. So, uh, as I was growing up, uh, between the ages of 
literally as I was born to about two years old, mm-hmm. people saw a drastic growth in me um, as far as physical weight, things like that. Uh, and people thought, and my parents and others who were around my parents thought, oh, it's just, he's just a big baby. And, you know, nobody was really had too much thought into it until I started around from one to two, my growth rate was so exponential that I wasn't supposed to be that big at one years old um, and that big at two years old. Uh, So my parents got pretty worried. So they took me to the doctor. They asked the doctor what was going on. So they did a couple scans, found out, found a couple things. Originally, as they did the scans, they saw that something was in the brain scan, what seemed to be a tumor. Um, And people were nervous. People were scared. Sure. Uh, Parents were obviously devastated, thinking that this is a tumor. Things were going around. Prayer chains were going around. Um, it seemed to be the worst. Mm-hmm. And um, so as people were doing these things, surgery time comes up, comes up and uh, they want to take out this tumor. And as the doctors and surgeons open up, um, they actually realize it was a blood clot. And that blood clot was so big, it was pushing onto my pituitary gland. And basically that's the, the gland that pushes out hormones, makes the body grow, things like that. And that, that's why it was growing so big. And, you know, through complications and things like that, some things happen. I have to wear glasses now. You know, I have certain symptoms that I had uh, growing up. So, I mean, we can get into that. But, you know, that's what that's basically what happened with my surgery. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. But, you know, things turned out to be good um, in the end. And I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, you didn't let it slow you down. Did you do you feel that you led a normal life growing up? Do you feel that it? Do you feel that as a result of the surgery, you were held back or were you able to live a normal life? I think I was held back a little bit. Now, the one thing we haven't determined, I have my guesses, but there are certain symptoms that I had growing up that I I think relate to the surgery. Um, but one obvious one was my glasses. And growing up, being a very quiet person, being a very easy target per se to other kids who are very outspoken, who were more um, aggressive. They saw things that were easy to pick on. One thing was my glasses and it was easy to be called four eyes and things like that. Um, so I was held back in that stance, you know, I, and being quiet, I didn't want to, I, I had no voice to mm-hmm. voice uh, my opinion of, Hey, I'm not four eyes or whatever. Um, I also grew up, grew up um, having ADHD. And those are one of the major symptoms I had. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if it was related to the surgery, right? but I have my guesses that it, it has some, something to do with it. So, you know, I grew up in school trying to do things and I was slow. I would, I would try to finish work. I would be the last person to hand it in. But I mean, having ADHD, um, it's a focus problem. Uh, it's a, something that challenges you. Um, but I noticed that although I was slow in some things, when I was really passionate in other things, I was super fast with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so growing up, I was really good at math. Um, and being having ADHD, I think hypertense that or like super focused my attention to that, the math equations and I could do them like, like right. that. But, you know, comprehension, reading, vocabulary, that all, a lot of those things uh, really slow, slowed down with me. And I, I guess I didn't have that passion for it, but, you know, 
I, you could tell from a lot of a lot of my experiences, a lot of my education, and just looking on paper, I was pretty slow at a lot of things. So you talk about a few things I want to kind of uh, unpack right there, right? Sure. So when you described earlier about the relationships people had, how they treated you, is it safe to say that you you to categorize it as you were bullied? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's. Without a doubt, without hesitation, I could say it was bullying. What's interesting is, right, this was traditional bullying. This isn't even online. This is before, um, I know he looks young, guys, but this was before, uh, you know, social media and internet and Facebook, right? It was, you were still kind of growing up in a pre-digital space. So this is traditional bullying. Yeah. Of the verbal kind. And it, it sucked. It really sucked. I can't, I can't even, there's no other words to describe how the feeling was because, I mean, there are a lot of things I could say about it, but the general is it sucked. How did you get past it? Did you get past it or did you just kind of take each day one at a time? It's hard to say that I got past it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I made it through and I'm happy about that. So, um, but it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. Um, I, I having ADHD, I was very, like I said, very focused on a lot of things. And because of the feeling I had being bullied, my focus also went towards, I'm not, I'm not a good looking person. I am, I'm a four eye. I'm slow. Um, so I'm, I'm already things saying to you things that are saying to me. Yeah. And I'm already like focused on that. I am the, I'm the big victim here. Mm-hmm. So I could never get past that. And I think my ADHD played into that. So it took a lot to, to manage it, I wouldn't say get over it, sure. um, because you know in school, as days I would get, I, there would be days I get over it, and the next day, same cycle happened. Sure, um, you feel confident and confident, and then boom, something happens. I'm already back at point zero. I had a good couple of, you know, those close knit friends I talked to. Um, I could explain what was going on. They wouldn't necessarily understand because they they weren't they weren't they experiencing it. Yeah, but, you know, they were in a listening ear. And that's what I took out of it more. Um, that I, I mean, you know, our parents, my parents, um, they really loved and supported everything I did. Um, but this was something really hard for them to understand. And it, it's and growing up here in the States, um, where my parents grew up in India, and then certain things that happened, and, um, you know, uh, it, and I don't blame that, blame them for that at all. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we w- we weren't able to understand that I could just explain to them, this is what's going on. And they would understand the best of their ability. But, you know, my friends who were with me in that struggle or saw me going through that struggle, sure. they understood it a little bit more and could ad- not advise me, but at least they could understand. They saw what was uh, what I was going through. So. so would you say it's safe to, uh, to say that having having people you could go to, having a safe space, um, people to talk to and and kind of let it out your frustrations your your sorrow about this really help make a difference. I'm sorry, could you repeat that one more time? Sure. Um, would you say that having these people, your friends, mm-hmm. was a safe space to help you kind of make it through? Yeah, okay. for sure. Um, you know, having these thoughts bottle up in my head, I don't think was would be really good because uh, that did start to happen when I felt bullied. I felt victimized. Um, I felt like nobody was there. I was backed into a corner. Um, and because I felt like I was backed into that corner, um, 
I felt like I had nowhere to go to. So when I did make these friends, it was much easier to be like, I have people standing with me. They might may not be able to help me, but they were with me. But they were and helping I, you in a way by being with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So it's like, they, I mean, like we, the friends that I made weren't the people who were just going to get in the bully's face and be like, you better stop that. Like um, you see on TV, but, right? Yeah. But, you know, they were there. You know, I, I appreciate them 100% for that. So the other thing you talked about that, that I kind of want to unpack is ADHD, right? So what would you say you did to address the ADHD you had? So, um, no, that's a really good question because when we realized I was slow at a couple of things, um, the first thing we did was my parents took me to the doctor again to see what was going on. And my, uh, other, my doctor had told my parents uh, go see uh, a psychologist. Mm-hmm. They, maybe there's something that they could do. And that's how I got first diagnosed with ADHD through the psychologist. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we have some thoughts on that too. Um, there's a, through this whole process, I have my various thoughts on it. But um, wait, wait, you say that. Do you mean you didn't agree with it? My parents didn't agree with it. Okay. Um, what about you? And I kind of agree with it, but the way that we took to solve it, I didn't like. Um, so, what because was that? At a, so at a very young age, I was put on heavy dosage ADHD medication. Mm-hmm. And I think that messed with my head a little bit. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I have, like I said, I, I don't know. I can't necessarily say for sure, but I have my thoughts on that, that it did mess up. And, you know, the medication for the short run did help. Um, it would keep me focused for the nine to five or whatever the school timing was. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, once I got back, it would just be back to uh, point zero. Okay. Um, so I was medicated for a very long time. I hated taking the medication, um, had taken the medication. I would get headaches, things like that. Um, and I didn't feel like it was really helping me. Um, so that was the first step of trying to solve the ADHD problem. Okay. Um, then I believe I was in third or fourth grade and I had, I had told my parents, I don't want to take this medication anymore. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my parents taking me off, but it was me saying, I want to get off this medication. And they wanted me off the medication too, but you know, for their child to be going through this and this is right now the only solution. Sure. Um, it kind of, I mean, what can you do? You're, you're put in a position where you have to take the medication. I told my parents, you know what? I'm going to get over this. I'm going to do this on my own. It's probably going to be stressful and it's going to be a lot of work, but I feel like I could get over this on my own without this medication. So my parents took me off and getting off the medication. Uh, it was like getting off, getting off a drug, like, like a, well, for were. those who go through drug withdrawal, mm-hmm. it felt like that. Okay. Like you were on medication for so long and you just cut off. Um, it, it was weird. I mean, I was happy about it, but I felt like I still felt nauseous before getting headaches. I remember that like vividly. Um, Do you regret coming off of it or were you able to fight through it? I was able to. So that was the thing. It was my, that fight in me that I didn't want to take the medication that got me through it. Like I didn't care how bad I felt physically. If I was getting headaches, I was feeling nauseous. If I was feeling all these things, even if I was, feeling out of focus. Sure. I was that fight to be like, I don't want to be on this medication and I can 
I can do this without that medication mm -hmm. was kind of my motivation to be like, all right, let, we're going to get through this. I don't know how, but we're going to make, make it through. And so you, you're saying that you were able to conquer ADHD during your school years. I was able to manage it. Okay. Um, Fair. Because there it wasn't all there. Like, you know, in, in the sense, when I say it wasn't all there, I was able to manage up to a point. Um, but I still felt like, you know, I'm kind of pushing through, trying to get on my own, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, and that was kind of either me trying to be a man or, or me trying to be successful without the medication. I don't know what to call it right. yet. Um, well, but that determined. I was determined. And, you know, um, asking for help at that point was asking for the medication okay. to me. Um, that was like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be uh, crippled by help again. I felt like I should be able to do it on my own. I just want to kind of put something out there, guys. So, you know, ADHD is a mental health illness. It is something that can be medicated. It is something that you can get help with. But to be clear, each person is different. It's yes. important yes. that you get help from a professional from a doctor. Um, and, you know, what you do at that point is up to you. Royce made a decision that worked for him. You right. have to make a decision that works for you. So just want to make sure we're clear. I'm not arguing that. Absolutely. Right. Drugs, no drugs. That's a different uh, conversation. So don't, don't totally. jump on us for that. But exactly. this worked and for I, you. Exactly. I, and I also would like to say that medication now is definitely much better with kids that I've actually talked to that have ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um so I don't want to say that the medication was all bad and um, whoever made the medication is, are bad people. That's not to say that at all. Right. It was just, um, I felt like for me, the medication wasn't helping me. Um, and even after talking, I, I actually did talk to my doctor afterwards. I told him um, I did get, get off. You know, I didn't talk to you, but I didn't, I told my parents and my parents took me off. Um, but my doctor uh, agreed with me actually okay. uh, and said, we'll look, we'll look, we'll keep this. We'll keep this under supervision. Right. Um, if we need to get you back on the medication, we'll get you back on the medication, but you, let's try it out. Uh, he, so he did help me out in that sense. And in fairness, guys, this is some, this is over 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in fairness, this is medical technology about 20 some years ago. So things have changed. Right. What I would say, and I think Royce would agree is, if you feel ADHD, whatever it is, you should always get help. There are resources and people there to help you. See a doctor, reach yes. out to resources like Mental Health America and get help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that was one thing I didn't I didn't ask for growing up um, because I felt like that was my crippling thing. But that would actually be the thing that would help me out the most. Um, yeah. So, you know, I... And yeah, like I said, I, I got off the medication um, at that point and it was more of, I, I didn't want to be someone who needed to be helped. I didn't want to be that victim per se anymore. I didn't want to be the victim of bullying anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so this was just kind of a all encompassing type of um, let's get over all the, the problems I'm facing and be, be successful at getting over mental illness, getting over victim, being a victim of bullying um, being slow, you know, all these things, it was just, so we, we left off at, uh, me getting, uh, me being slow with a lot of things and 
middle school is really where the peak of ADHD and bullying really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so from sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, um, that's when we really saw uh, one that I really need to get back on medication. Okay. Or two, the vic- the me being a victim of bullying was really starting to affect me. Okay. Um, or it was a combination. Um, so going through sixth grade, uh, totally different atmosphere than elementary school. Uh, at that point, I just moved. Um, so totally different group of people. Right. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, I'm moving to another, it was another county. But at the same time, you know, I'm talking to different people. So it's a let's new see environment. Yeah. New environment. Let's see if I, this will be a, a fresh start. I um, won't go through the, I won't hopefully go through bullying. Um, but man, was I wrong? The bullying just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and I remember every single year, um, I would be put with the, the same group of people uh, for what we call the home group. So in the morning, when you come in, you would just go to a classroom where the, you where you would take attendance and then you would go to your first classroom there. Um, and in that home group, we were always uh, organized by last name. Um, and it was like 20 some of us. And so every year I'm with the same group of people. Sure. And that first year, I think maybe first or second day, I had someone come up to me um, and this was, mind you, this was right after 9-11 because um, I was in fifth grade when 9-11 happened and there were still effects of it going around. Um, so people were calling me a lot of uh, slurs, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was go like, that was my, the, and then um, going through that, I thought, Wow, this was this. Is, I've already been bullied for being a four eye, being uh, slow, but this is already another level I have to go through. Yeah. Um, so I was devastated. Um, Did you still have your your safety, your friends that you could talk to in this new environment? Well, so I got to the new environment, and I I was I had made some friends because I had come in at the later part of fifth grade before going on into middle school, so. I made one or two friends, but unfortunately their last names weren't. Uh, they weren't in your home group. They weren't in the home group. Right. Um, so it wasn't really easy to go to them at that point. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit. I have, so I'm getting called these slurs, still going through the, the same bullying. Yeah. Um, teachers are seeing that I'm going slow. So they're calling home um, saying he, he needs to do better. He's, uh, not performing as well as he should be. So I'm dealing with being victimized of a bully, having calling. I mean, at that point, nobody wants a teacher to call home and say that sure. your, your son is doing horrible. Cause then you, you're getting it from the teacher and then you're getting home and you're getting it from the parents. Yeah. We're uh, not doing well. Um, and that's, and again, that's not my parents' fault. That's not the teacher's fault, but it's just like, you're just getting that stress. Like, yeah. From all yeah. Um, so all this is adding up to you that you're just feeling the pressure and it's adding up. And how long did it continue for? So it continued for a while. So one thing I did find out there was, so there was, I don't remember when it first happened, but I remember uh, the peak of it in middle school. Um, we, I was in a math class or something like that. And the same person I was t- telling you about in, the, in my first year 
uh, in home group who would be calling me these slurs would turn back and mouth these slurs to me. Um, oh. and I would go to the teacher and I would tell her, look, this person is doing this. Um, I don't feel comfortable to do this work right now. I'm not really focused. He's like, just go back and do your work. I said, okay, I'll go do it. Second time I told the teacher, same process happened. Mm-hmm. Third time, I basically freaked out. I'm just like, nobody's so in my day. This is all on the same day. And I, I flip out. I, I literally, I think I was, I either screamed it or whatever it was. Nobody's in my corner. Um, not the teacher's not even in my corner. So why should I even be here? Um, so I just, I, I, I get out of class. I need to let out the steam and nobody was really there to give me that opportunity to let out my steam. Mm-hmm. So I go out and I don't know if this was the first time, but this was the one of the most memorable times that I had finally gone to the guidance counselor. Um, and that's someone in school who I hope they still have in schools because man, the guidance counselor, although like we were diff- we were different people, different age groups, she really just talked to me about what was going on. Why was it was okay to feel these things. You're not alone in these things. You know, I wasn't hearing that from anyone. Right. Uh, I just felt alone in the situation. So just being able to go to the guidance counselor and talk. Um, and because I, I, like I said, like my friends weren't really necessarily around at that time. Right. You, you lost and, your support. Yeah. I lost my support. And at the same time they were in it. I, w- I felt like at that point, I don't want to get them in trouble because like, you know, if they were in my class, if they were in my class, I, I probably wouldn't have gone up to them because if I'm going through this and the teacher's not helping me, if I go up to them, I know they're going to get in trouble for me talking to them. Right. So that's not, that, that's not fair to them. Um, but they weren't there. So, it, at the, so, I mean, at the end of the day, I really had to, I got to give it to those guidance counselors. Um, counselors definitely don't get the recognition they deserve. Oh my so. gosh, no! Shout oh, out, shout outs to you guys. And I still remember my um, elementary school guidance counselor. We didn't have a lot, but I, I remember that. Uh, I mean, a lot of incidents that happened in elementary school it, enough to go to a guidance counselor. But the times that I went, um, I remember this what she had, what a pet dragon. Um, and I would just hold it and you would, and she just told me to talk to the dragon. Um, it was just like, it was a pet. It was, a, uh, it was, I mean, you, and you, you had something to let it out to. And once you let it out, it's done. Don't worry about it. You go, you go back. The dragon has it now. It's going to take it back to its lair. Um, you don't have to worry about Aww. it. Um, so that was a kind of like, that was like, I, I can never say enough words about guidance counselors. Um, so can so I, that, yeah. Can I, so can I ask, um, you know, having talked to get that guidance counselor, you remember this, this is in the middle of middle school, right? Um, I'm sure it didn't get better at that time, but I, I kind of want to touch on high school so we can get to your college. Cause that, that's a story also I want to share. Yeah. Did you go through that in high school as well? No, but, um, which was really interesting because of one story. Okay. Uh, so from, from the summers of middle school, I would go to India and it would be literally from May to August. Soon as school finished, I'm out, I'm in India. Soon before school starts the day, maybe the day, two days before I'm back here. Um, and eight, every summer I would go 
And the first summer I went, I had met this dog. Um, it was a puppy at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this puppy uh, was just like, just like a little excited uh, uh, freaking nature. It's basically all I could say about it at that point. But, you know, I would be there every summer taking care of it, giving it food. I, I could have asked to do these things. And through that process, I had talked to this dog like it was the dragon. Um, and it would like the dog would not understand what I'm saying. It would just be running around as I'm talking to it. Every uh, summer. Every summer. And I would just let out everything to it. And so it would be just a fresh start going into seventh grade, going into eighth grade. Um, and, you know, it was, I think, 2013 um, was the last time I saw Rexy. What was the name of the, the which was her name. And um, ironically, um, she had died of a tumor. Oh, wow. So I felt like I had, I was supposed to get that tumor, but instead she got it wow. and, and she took it on for me. So it's kind of just like that circle of life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, she did something for me that I, she didn't even need, see, need to say any words, but she took on something that I really couldn't take on at the time. So, so, so when you went into high school, does that mean that your mindset changed? People just, cause I'm, I can't imagine people just magically treated so, you differently. Maybe. Yeah, no. So that's, that's the thing, right? I think I had a huge mindset after the summer of eighth grade. And um, the thing was when, once I let it out, like it was, this was the third time I let it out to the dog. I kind of finally kind of understood that it was easier to talk to people Mm -hmm. um, because now that I, I'm, I'm not like, throwing up words onto the, onto the dog. I was kind of like letting it out easier, kind of letting it out. You didn't let it build. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Um, um, Because I didn't let it build, I would talk to my friends and I wouldn't let it, the thoughts wouldn't be stuck in my head. Sure. Um, So, you know, I had a different outlook of, okay, things are happening. I'm going to get a jab and get a punch. Uh, I'm going to clean up a little bit before I get knocked out. Um, I'm going to go to my corner, get, get some coaching before I go back into the ring type of thing sure. um, instead, of, instead of waiting till I get knocked out to get, get help. Um, so that, so that was my mindset. So definitely people were still rowdy in ninth grade, but 10th grade onward, people are starting to mature. Um, and I think people are in a good way or a bad way are starting to get more clicky. So uh-huh. the people who were bullies were just hanging out with the bullies. Um, and they weren't really, I guess they were maturing and they weren't hanging out with anybody else. Right. Just, I was like, I was cool with that. Um, we're fine with that right (laughs) bygones be bygones you do your thing over there whatever yeah exactly so you you kind of you make it to college right and you have an interesting story about your college career um you and i have talked about this yes throughout you know we've helped one another with that and i'm trying so you didn't have a traditional college path Right. When they yeah, say, when we say traditional college path, guys, I'm saying four years college and you're out. Royce, how long did it take you to graduate? So it took me six years. Took you six years. Did you ever? Um, there's a there's a point I want to talk about and I want you to say it. What happened in college to make it an extended period for you? So the thing was. I really, 
well, was involved in college in my in my time in college i I had loved doing IT, which I which I originally started out. I was computer I was a computer science major, um, and then switched to information systems. And in that time, you know, I have to take classes that I don't really like, things that I don't really understand. And you know, I'm still in that kind of I want to do everything on my own type of phase. Um, I'm getting into college. I'm in that new phase. I'm in that new a new environment, right? And slowly realized, I wouldn't say quickly realized that I really needed to ask for help when I, when I was not doing that well. Um, the, like there when, were, when did you realize that Royce? So I'm going to ask say, a question, Royce. Yeah, no, it, that, that's, the, that's the fairest question there is. When did you realize? So we'll say that there's a traditional uh, college period. I only ask questions after that traditional period. So this is four years. Right. College. Four years have passed. I'm only asking after four years. So you were at one college. Yes. Right. At one point. Yes. Then you were not at that college. Yes. Why were you no longer at that college? Because, you know, unfortunately, I had done so poorly Mm -hmm. that uh, I had got a, a letter and an email um, which I had the letter I had to intercept to not let my parents see my parents know now um, that because of my grades, I had to go somewhere else uh, and get my grade point average to a point where I could re enroll into the class. Or um, if that wasn't possible, um, re enrolling, then I would have to reapply to the same college that I had applied to as a high school graduate. So let's talk about that for a moment, right? You get a letter. You're already not doing well. This is what, year three? Year three. Year three mm-hmm. that this happened. And how are you feeling? I feel horrible. I feel devastated. Um, and this is like, I, this is the cherry on the top, wasn't it? Because this wasn't, this is year three. Years one and two weren't the easiest thing for you either. Right. Exactly. And so for some reason, I, I mean, one thing I can say is, and it might have been just me blinding myself, but my IT classes, like I said, I have a super focus on some things. My IT classes, I was doing excellent. Right. Everything else, I was nowhere near that. You I was not. nowhere near that. Right. Um, but it, it got to a point that you weren't doing well. So year one, year two, you're, you're passing barely. Yes. Right. That's fair to say. That's definitely fair to say. Year three, not doing well. Yeah. You get the letter. You're feeling some kind of way. Yep. Right. What does it do to you when you're getting this? This is happening to you, and you're seeing your friends graduate, getting ready to move forward. They're not suffering like this. How does that make you feel? And what did you do? So, yeah, so I'm seeing my friends graduate. These are the people I'm hanging out with. You know, we're in college, we're going to parties. I'm like, I'm hanging with these same people. They're doing the same things I'm doing, I think. Um, And they're succeeding. They're they're passing. They're passing with honors. They're um, they're they have scholarships. They don't have to worry about all good things. Right. So things. Right. But, you know, I'm here like sulking in. Oh, well, I still want to hang out with them, but I'm really failing my classes at this point. And, you know, I'm not getting, I'm, I'm blind. I'm like, I'm not seeing that 
at this point, you know, I had people who I thought were really close with me who, I mean, it, it wasn't their fault, but, you know, they were doing things that they were able to. Yeah. I was yeah. still sulking and just like, oh, well, maybe this will be enough and yeah, I'll, I'll pass. I don't worry. But I was kind of in that where I, don't, I didn't really need help because I thought I would, I would be able to finish it. Right. Uh, so. So what happens after that? So you got the letter. Happened, yeah. So I'm I'm not at that college anymore. I'm at a, at this point. I'm actually at a community college, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get my grades back up. Um, and does it work? Uh, does it I'm work? Sorry. It not necessarily. Okay. Um, but but there is a good thing that comes out of it. So um, what happens is that. I'm kind of freaking out because, you know, my grade point average is not there. I, it's not what I'm getting in the community colleges are not enough. So the classes I'm taking at the community college are supposed to replace the classes that I took at the original college to kind of make up those courses and still not doing well. I finally talked to actually one of the teachers there who I noticed goes to the college I graduated from. And um, I asked her, what is, what is this school? What's going on? And I, I, well, actually, I first tell her about my situation and she's just like, I'm going to just switch to another college. And I never think about that. I'm just like, I need to, I need, I started here at three years. Like, how do I transfer everything? I don't, I'm like, if I go somewhere else, do I have to start over? Do right. I have to start from point one? And she's like, no, you're, you went, to, this is a part of the same system. Um, I was in Maryland. So it was all part of the same University of Maryland system. Right. Um, and so uh, what happens is that I, I started researching. Um, I'm like, this is really interesting. Um, they have programs there. I was actually interested in if, if somehow I graduated in time that I would love to do even their master's work. I was like, so I was so gung ho about this college, but at the same time, if I wanted to do this, I needed to change my ways because I knew I, that's really when I knew that something needed to change. Well, let's talk about one more thing that motivated you. Right. Yes. As long as I have known you, you have always wanted to go to seminary. Yeah. Right? That has been a passion of yours. And the thing that was holding it back was you couldn't go to seminary till you had a bachelor's. Yes, absolutely. How many times would you say you were frustrated by that fact? Because we've talked about this. Yes. Right. Um, would you say that was a motivating factor for you? Absolutely. Because, you know, growing up, I didn't know if I wanted to go to seminary or not. Uh, and I looked into the, what, what was needed, what, um, and I thought I, w- I wasn't re- really wasn't sure about what a seminary program looked like. And doing the research, the first thing I saw must have a bachelor's um, in whatever subject. Yeah. It, didn't have, it didn't say IT, didn't say anything. It, in any subject, I needed to have a bachelor's. And I was really bummed because I was looking at this year three. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking before all this happened, before the letter comes, oh, okay, I'll graduate. I'm just like kind of doing my preliminary research. And I get the letter. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm probably never going to go to seminary because I'm, I'm never going to be able to graduate college. Like, yeah. And you felt that you, ca- you held on to that for about a year and a half, two years, right? Yeah, right? Absolutely. Because yes. it wasn't until the fourth year of the struggle that you went through. Right. Through the three years at the regular college, the one year at the community college, you're thinking about transferring to this new college that you and I had a, a sit down talk about this. 
Right. Right. And yeah. And we you talked to several people and experts, other teachers. Right. Because we had talked about why you hadn't asked for help. Right. We talked about not just that. We also talked about. um, I I I shared with you a story of someone else who, you know, all her life had studied, had done well. And then in this one school, struggled, failed and found out she had a learning impediment, meaning she needed extra time. She took a test found out that, you know, she needed extra time to, to study um, and take tests. And that changed the game, right? Admitting that you needed help. Right. Was that the game changer for you? hundred percent. There's no way, other way to say it. You know, I, I keep saying it like I wanted to be this successful person without the crippling mm-hmm. effect of medication per, per se, or, uh, or asking for help because, you know, at that point, I'm off medication. I'm several years not doing any of this. And I wanted to show people I could do it. You uh, just, you the reaction when we talked about the ADHD for you was very, like you did not want to go back on medicine. You were adamant. You like, I, I said, Royce, why are you having such a hard time accepting that this might be back in your life? I'm trying to think what I did. I, I remember. I'll tell you. Yeah. You had said, I had been there before. I don't want to go back to it. Yes. And I said, okay, I get it. But you have to acknowledge that this is holding you back. So what did you do yes. about that? So I had finally come to grips with it, you know, that ADHD was still affecting my life. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want to accept that. No, so, you fought me, man. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally, I finally went and uh, one, I talked to my doctor. Mm-hmm. What, what, what should I do? Uh, she, at that point, doesn't see any problem with me physically. Um, there's no, there's no problem there. She said, Right now, since you're bringing it up, we'll keep it like a, like the previous doctor said under supervision. What is going on? We mm-hmm. really feel like we need to get you back on medication. We'll get you back on medication. That was the first step I took. Um, second step I took was I'm going to go talk to um, a guidance counselor at school at, at the college. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that um, there was avenues that you know I'm dealing with ADHD. But I just want the same opportunity as everybody else. Um, because, that, because that held me back, there were opportunities for me to take longer on, on exams and not fail because you were taking more than the two hours that you were, quote unquote, given. Uh, extensions on papers. Um, more time with the teacher, uh, with the professor doing uh, their office hours. Um, because now you have some sort of paperwork saying he has ADHD. Uh, he's just wanting the same opportunity as everybody else. So right. offer him that. Otherwise, he has to go somewhere else. Was that difficult uh, for you to get help like that? Oh, my gosh. I cannot even. We both know how hard it was for me to do that first step. Um, so to even get to here was oh, was a journey. Well, so that's guys, that's one of the reasons I wanted Royce to come on and talk to you. And I, I'm very proud of him for sharing his story because 
asking for help is not something you should be ashamed of, right? And that's something that we worked on um, conversations. You know, you you worked with your parents about that. You've talked to other people, but it's not easy for us to to accept that. But when you did, was that a game changer for you? Well, I can finally say I have a bachelor. So, and there's something to say about that. There, there is something definitely to say about that. I'm in a master's program now well, too. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Has anybody ever asked you how long it took you to get your bachelor's? No, but that was the one thing that I was always worried about. You were so worried about this. You were so worried. And and to be fair, one of your worries was the fact that other people are moving on in their life while you're still in school. Yeah. And to the point where, did people know that you were still in school? No. People thought I was working. People thought I was actually doing other things. It's like they didn't. Nobody they really now, asked. But... Yeah, they know now. But uh, I mean, nobody really asked. But, you know, that was me in my head. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unfor- as unfortunate as it was, my friends were moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were people in my life around my age uh, that were actually there for me. And they were just like, they would call me. Like, they wouldn't literally be right next to me. Like, they wouldn't even be in Maryland. Like, they would be people in New York, in New Jersey, um, in Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to name names, but I want to shout them out. They know who they are. Sure. Um, they, they really helped me when I really needed help. Um, and they were, they were friends when I really needed friends. And, you know, um, they didn't, they, they knew my situation. They didn't think of me as any less. And they were still like, they were growing, they were doing work, they were doing all that, but they, they still wanted to hang out with me, a person who took six years to get a bachelor's. So that's the other thing, right? Royce, you built it up in your head so much that the reality was what? The reality was that. Did it really matter at that point whether I took four years or six years or if I took 10 years? Like, it, it really didn't matter. I mean, it mattered to his parents because you got to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, guys. No, no. Right. My, my, my parents, <laughs> I love my parents. Uh, but they but, were supportive. No, yeah. No, that's the thing. That, that was one thing. Like, they really were upset that I took this long. But at the same time, they knew I had ADHD. They knew the struggle I was going sure. through. So they were more happy of the fact that I actually graduated and I was actually able to do it uh, instead of, you know, it would have been nice to graduate in four years. Yeah, of course. And, you know, things happen. But he graduated with the bachelor's in IT having ADHD. You fought. You fought. And, you know, you fought and you made it happen. And it probably wasn't easy for you because you have a sister who was also going through school and graduating. And... That may have pushed you more, but I mean, you had a very supportive family. And I think once you accepted that there is no shame in asking for help, and once you accepted the fact that, you know, because of mental health, you needed a little bit more help, there is no shame in that. Right. You, where are you today? So right now, as we're talking, I'm at uh, St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Seminary in Yonkers, New York. Um, something I've been wanting to do for a very long time uh, in my second year. Um, and I have a year left in this program. So, so I got two, I got, I got three more questions for you. Ready? One, are you happy? Oh my gosh. I cannot even tell you how happy I'm. So and I will, I will format this in a way to say there are ups and downs, even in this master's program, mm-hmm. but to say that I would want to do something else in this point in my life. No way. Seminary is what I really wanted to do. Number two, how is studying now going for you? 
studying now is totally different. Um, I, I have a good set of people here um, that, you know, group study is something I never understood because I didn't have any friends. But, <laughs> you know, but now I have these great set of people uh, who, like, we all study together, we struggle together, um, we laugh together. Um, and, you know, because of our, that's one, that we all are in the same program, we're studying together, that we kind of understand what each person is going through. Actually, here in my class, knows that I have ADHD, um, and that was something I was afraid to share with people coming in. But they were just like, they were just like me in the sense that we're all going through some type of struggle, sure. whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, physical, and we and we all are accepting of of that. Number two, I'm I've learned from my ways in college in high school to ask for help when I need help. Yes. Yeah, it, it, that was, it, it's so difficult to do. And st- it's still a struggle. Hey, I can tell you. I don't care how hard it is. I'm glad you're doing it. I, I'm doing it. I'm doing that's, it. That's, I, that's I, what I, I want to hear. I'm doing it. Don't make me come up there. <laughs> but I, uh, yes, I am doing it. So um, unfortunately, professors are not around as often. So it's done more through email. But at the same time, they're very uh, responsive. As soon as I have a question, maybe an hour, two hours later, they're uh, they're giving me a response and giving me more than what I really need. So that kind of helps me even more. Um, but number three is I know that I have a speed and everybody else has a speed and everybody's speeds are different. So I'm not worried about how fast or slow I'm going compared to everybody else. I'm taking my time to get my stuff done. And if I cannot do it, my professors know I am, I'm a little slow. And, that, and they're okay with that. And they know if I need extra time, they'll give me extra time. If I need an extension, they'll give me an extension. So I've already asked for the help I needed in anticipation that I might need it. I haven't ha- actually haven't had to use it yet. But in the case I do need to use it, it's, uh, it's there for my disposal. You so, set it up. You set it yeah. up. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I love that. Now, Royce, given, given the journey you've had, right, the, the difficulties you've gone through, bullying, ADHD, depression, anxiety, right? You felt yeah. all of these in some way, shape, or form, right? Yes. Would you say you've come through it? I've come through it. I have a lot of battle wounds, but I've come through it. And I didn't I didn't talk about my depression depression and anxiety, but you know, those were a big aspect of my life. And I think we could take another hour and a half to talk <laughs> about that. Um, but especially the depression and anxiety, I was really happy I talked to people about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were actually people um, at, who graduated from seminary who I talked to, who act, who have like a master's in psychology, who knew who knows the things that are going I'm going through. Sure. Again, talking to, like talking to the people who are certified to talk about these things, it really makes a difference. Um, so, like as we mentioned before, of talking to doctors about ADHD and things like that, I would say the same thing about depression because there's a lot of stuff you can find online. Um, but I would definitely say talk to to somebody professional about these things because they know what they're talking about. So Royce, you know, it's mental health awareness month. Um, Love this episode, love the conversation we're having for those who are struggling, those who want to chase their dreams. You're living it right now, right? So a great resource and example to ask, what is something you would recommend they do today? Someone who's struggling, trying to figure out what to do, not sure. What is one action you would tell them to take today? One thing I would tell them, 
And one thing that I, I've done personally is I ask myself whether I struggle or not, what I still love doing what I'm doing. Um, that's, that's my first and foremost thing. Um, and I would, and that's one, how I got into it. Um, and one, how I got into seminary, um, uh, getting into it, I knew I wasn't good with economics. I wasn't good with reading comprehension. I wasn't good with writing papers, but 70% of the classes were, uh, economics, reading papers, uh, writing papers and all that. Right. right. The, for that major. For that yeah. Major. yeah. For that major, for it. Yes. And through, through all of it, I said, I still said IT is the thing I want to do. So it doesn't matter if I have to do these things, I, I'll, I'll have to get through it, but, I'm, I, but this is what I feel passionate about. So I'm going to do it. And same thing for seminary. And we talked about this before I saw the first, the first requirement before anything I read, I read anything else. I needed a bachelor's. It took me six years, but you know, after, even after six years, I thought I, I had, I had thought about this in the beginning and I only looked, researched it in the third year, but I, which means I thought about seminary for six years after six years, even going through all those struggles, I still want to go. So again, it's whether I struggle or not, do I still love what I'm, what I'm going to do? And I said, that's, that's, that's what that's the top thing I would say to somebody who's thinking about chasing their dream, thinking about something they're passionate about mm-hmm. and are and not sure to take that first step. And you may fail. You're going to like, I, uh, I, I talk about stepping into failure with my friends um, because that's basically what I did. Like I knew going into it, I was going to step into failure. Um, cause I knew how, how sucky I was at economics and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you, if you don't step in, how do you know you're going to fail? Um, it's true. And, and if you do fail, what are you going to do? If, are you just going to say that's enough and step out or are you willing to take those strides, take on those battle wounds and make it through? Royce, I love it. I love it. I love this conversation. I love everything you shared. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable, open and honest. And I know it can't be easy. And I appreciate everything you've said today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And guys, that is my little brother, Royce. How awesome is he? I'm so proud of him. I've been proud of him a number of times throughout the years, especially with what he's gone through. But to be brave enough and open enough to share his story is probably one of my prouder moments of him. Yeah. And the fact that he's chasing his dream is awesome as well. He is someone who has worked hard and hard and hard, and it has not come easy. And he's still doing it. He's never quit. And I'm so proud of him for that. And you guys can learn more about Royce and find all the links we mentioned on the show notes page, including a behind the scenes interview that we did with Royce on our YouTube channel. That link is in the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 191. That's episode 191. All right, Dream Chasers, until next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then... 
keep chasing. 